0: The problem is is that is that a lot of our bosses are not as smart as our kindergarten teachers.
1: Welcome to this new episode of Open Up Digitals and in this episode we talk to Daniel Pink. The way in which we work is changing rapidly because of the digitalization of a workspace and because of new technological possibilities and of course because of the corona who has accelerated the whole process. Now how should companies deal with these new challenges and how can employees make sure that they stay in touch and stay connected and involved And what can we do differently or maybe even better? What can we learn? Today, we are very honored to talk to the one and only Daniel Pink, whom we think needs no further introduction. But for the very few, Daniel is, among other things, a very well-known author of several books about business and human behavior. His books include New York Times bestsellers like the book When, Titles like A Whole New Mind, Drive and sell, uh, To Sell is Human. Daniel's books have won several uh, awards, multiple awards, and are, so, are sold more than three million times. Last year, he was called the sixth most influential management thinker in the world. He lives in Washington with his family, but today he's here with us. And we're very honored and thankful that you're here, Daniel, to talk with us about the future of work. Welcome.
0: Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you.
1: Thank you. Well, uh, like I said, we're talking about the future of work. People are talking about the future of work all the time, about the changes that we're going through in the way that we collaborate, communicate, consummate. And until recently, this was mainly about the digital transformation, and corona has certainly had a big impact on that. What things do you see that are uh, really gotten into gear through corona?
0: Well, I mean all kinds of things. I mean, part of it, I, I, on a number of different levels, part of it is uh, difficulties we have with governance, um, both at the at the international, national, even corporate level, um, especially here in the United States. Uh, our response to Corona is a sign of a massive governance failure. Uh, but I think it's also true to some places in Europe. We're just, our, our systems, our governments, our entities are not equipped um, to deal with a problem like this. And the nature of the problems in our world today are going to be much more like this than the problems that our systems are designed to equip so i think there's a governance issue Uh, at a at a smaller level perhaps i I think there's going to be a re-reckoning about work and in particular uh, how it gets done and where it gets done Uh, one of the things that's just remarkable about this as someone who's been writing about remote work for 20 years now is that there was a for a long time people said well, yeah, we can have some people work remotely, but it's not going to work at scale. It's not going to be possible for everyone to do it. And then, boom, <laughs> suddenly everybody's doing it and it's working pretty well. And I think that what there's going to be is there's going to be a re-reckoning of what, uh, what an office is. Um, and then, um, and then um, you know, even at, a, at, an, at another level, a, a sense of uh, how much, how important it is that at, both at a national, international, national, corporate, individual level, Uh, how important it is, how important things like care and empathy are. Um, And in in some ways this has been a great unmasking of some deficits we have in our world about taking care of each other and about having empathy for others.
1: Yeah, I think that's a very important theme indeed. We will talk about that human touch a little bit later indeed. Now, millions of people around the world have read your book, uh, Drive, about what motivates us. And everyone is familiar with the three intrinsic elements to promote motivation, uh, autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And now let's pretend that I'm a business leader and I'm looking at my empty office and all the people I work with are at home and I cannot reach them and I freak out. I don't know what to do. I'm panicking and I'm losing control. What advice can you give to those managers who who try to, to motivate their people from a distance and and would you also agree that, in fact, leadership is getting more difficult in this time?
0: Uh, so let me take the second question first. Um, I, I think leadership is always difficult. I think leadership is really, really hard. Uh, the, that's why very few people do it well. It's a, it's a, it's a very significant. It, 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 I don't do well on it uh, as an individual, and I don't think there are a lot of people who, who a lot of people who are great leaders. Uh, so I think it's difficult. I think it's even more difficult in this in, in this environment. Uh, the way to, to the first part of your question is. There, there are some things that, you can, that that leaders can do to um, foster greater motivation and commitment in this time. Now, we can go back to those core elements that we know from 50 years of behavioral science lead to enduring motivation for complex and creative tasks, things like autonomy. Do people have some sovereignty over what they do, how they do it, when they do it? Mastery, are they able to get better at something that matters, and are they making progress? Purpose. Uh, Do they know why they're doing something? And are they making a contribution and making a difference? Those kinds of things remain important. Um, And I think that leaders have to figure out how do you deepen those sorts of values in this kind of situation? Now, autonomy, in some ways, is easier in this world because people are fashioning their own schedules more than they usually are, using their own equipment, finding the way that working works for them. Uh, What I think that managers should do, leaders should do is give people the, the, the resources and the tools and the help and support so that they can be self-directed. Uh, one of the things that worries me about this time is that when you have this explosion of at least some amount of autonomy, so certain organizations are saying, well, this is not going to work out well. We have to have cameras on all the time so we can watch people. We have to monitor their keystrokes. Every That's a bad idea. So foster that autonomy. Um, I think that when it comes to mastery, Uh, which is getting better at something that matters Uh, I think leaders have to be much more intentional about giving feedback about staying in touch with people about making sure that people are uh, making sure that people are heard Uh, and so that requires a more systematic approach perhaps than they would have inside of the office Um, certainly um, you know one of the things we know about feedback is that the best feedback is frequent and informal um, and so you can no longer rely on these formal infrequent feedback mechanisms so frequent informal feedback. And then I think what really matters now is purpose. Um, Do people know why they're doing something? Uh, Why why is what I do uh, from my home office each day making a difference in the world? Uh, Why does my piece of a particular project contribute to what someone else is doing? And so um, if leaders um, reach people at the individual level, stay in touch with people, care for people, check in on people, Give them feedback, connect them to a purpose. I think that um, that that they that the uh, organizations will be just fine in this kind of environment.
1: Okay, yeah. Well, let's see. Well, I I can imagine that there's a, a, a. It's hard to not get seduced by all this new technology to to follow people every every step along the way because it gets so easy. Do you, Do you have any examples of, of leaders who you think of, of being good leaders, or is that too too much a personal? In question? In general. Yeah, or maybe. specifically, oh, uh, I don't know.
0: Uh, Okay, so okay, so I'll give you. I mean, I'll I'll give you. I'll give you two. Uh, one from the United States, one from uh, New Zealand. The the Prime Minister of New Zealand, uh, Jacinda Ardern, is is doing a fabulous job. Why? Because she's doing the things that we know that leaders do well. She's telling the truth and she's being transparent. Right? All right. There's no artifice. There's no. There's no. There's no BS. Number two, she is. Um, she is showing empathy. Um, which is not, which I think in certain kinds of circles is seen as a sign of weakness, but it's actually one of the most muscular emotions that a leader can display. Uh, and, and finally, uh, and this is obviously most, most important, she's decisive. Uh, there's not a hemming and hawing. Uh, there's, a, there's a willingness to make, to make decisions and do things that are unpopular. And I think that that is important, not only at a national level, but also at a, at a, um, at, at a corporate level. Now, another leader, I think, who's doing some great work here in the States not as, well, not as well known internationally um, is, the, is the fellow who's the commissioner of the National Basketball Association, the NBA, um, uh, Adam Silver, who took dramatic action right when, the, right when COVID started to shut down the league, but then worked with the teams and worked with the workers, the players, to fashion a very creative solution. So now you have professional basketball being played in this bubble, and the players are safe and the fans are watching, and the teams are flourishing, and, um, it, and, it, took, and it took someone who was willing to be um, transparent and empathic and decisive. And so there are, you know, there are, there are this is a time that in, in many ways unmasks who's a great leader and who's not.
1: Well, I'm very happy that the second one is a guy because otherwise we would come to discussion that female leadership would be better because empathy is normally seen as a female kind of thing, but a man can do it as well, uh, I understand. Uh, in your latest book, The Scientific Secrets of Perfect Timing, you talk about the when. Uh, the secrets uh, to good timing to help you flourish uh, at school or at work or at home. But now we're working full time from the home. So the nine to five routine seems a little bit outdated. Um, have you any ideas how we can deal with this new reality? Is there a perfect time for something to plan the day? Is, is there some time management tips?
0: Well, we know a lot from... so. so. So one of the things that's happening, let me take a step back here. One of the things that's happening is that when we make, I'm talking to you from my home office. I've been working at home for 20 years. And one of the things that I realized when I was working at home is that I was making all kinds, exactly as you say, I was making all kinds of when decisions in my own life. When should I do this? When should I write? When should I do research? When should I do, you know? And I was making those decisions in very sloppy ways. Uh, That frustrated me. And I wondered if there was any research on this question of timing. It turns out there's a huge amount of research on this question of timing uh, in many, many different disciplines. And so what I tried to do was systematically go through it. Uh, and what I discovered here is that we think that timing is an art, but it's actually a science, that we make our timing decisions generally based on intuition and guesswork. And what we should be doing them is making them based on evidence. And on the particular question you're asking, when it comes to an individual day, um, one of the things that we know from this research is that all times of day are not created equal. That, 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 that our brain power does not go like this. It's not constant over the course of a day. It changes. It changes in significant ways. Um, and what we know also is that we tend to move through the day in three stages, a peak, a trough, and a recovery. Um, Most of us move through the day in that order. Peak early, trough in the middle of the day, recovery later in the day. About 20% of us, though, who are night owls, who have an evening, what's called an evening chronotype, they hit their peak, you know, evening, mid evening, late evening, middle of the night. Um, And what we we know is, is a fairly simple recipe. We should be doing, during our peak period, which for most of us is early in the day, we should be doing our analytic work, work that requires heads down focus and attention, During that trough period, the early to mid-afternoon, we should be doing our administrative work because that's the time we underperform almost across the board. And during that recovery period, when our mood is up but our vigilance is not, we're better off doing certain kinds of what what psychologists call insight work, which is solving non-obvious problems, iterating new ideas, those kinds of things. And and if we just make a little bit of an effort to do the right work at the right time, we're going to do better.
1: Yeah, I think you could actually learn from uh, kindergarten teachers, I think, because they know when, when the child is alert and when they should do something more low profile, right? Or is that a strange thought?
0: But you're exactly right. And here's the thing. We have, we have evidence of this. There's some very, very good studies in education about this. I'll give you, I'll give you one uh, out of Denmark. One of the most important studies here is out of Denmark. In Denmark, students take standardized tests as they do in, as they do in Holland, as they do in Germany, as they do here in the United States. Okay. In Denmark, the students take the tests on computers, but the typical Danish school has more students than computers. So on test day, everybody can't take the test at the same time. So the students are randomly assigned to take the test at different times of day. Some take them early, some take them late. And there was an important paper uh, led by Francesca Gino at Harvard and two Danish researchers looking at 2 million Danish test scores. And it turned out that kids who took the, the test in the afternoon scored as if they'd missed two weeks of school. Um, Such a difference, okay. It's a huge difference. And, yeah. and, and so, you know, so, what we know, uh, there, there's research out of uh, in, here in the states in, in Los Angeles, the LA Unified School District, uh, showing that kids who took math in the morning had higher grades, did better on, this, on our state standardized tests than students who took math in the afternoon. So there are differences in performance based on time of day. You're absolutely right. Teachers often had an intuitive sense of that. The problem is, is that that a lot of our bosses are not as smart as our kindergarten teachers.
1: Yeah, that's a good good sentence. Yeah, good quote. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Well... um, now that this digital transformation is in full swing, uh, there's all this new technology, and, and the, the, the emphasis is very much on this technology, and new tools, new apps, new platforms. Uh, uh, it's difficult to keep up with all these changes, and a lot of businesses maybe see too much of a solution in this new technology. They think if we just you know, implement the, the technology, then every problem is solved. Uh, but where then is the human or the social element in this digital transformation? How can we ensure that, uh, especially now, everybody can participate and can contribute on these platforms so that nobody is left behind?
0: It's a great question. And, and I think it begins to, goes back to one of your early questions, which is, which is leadership. One of the most important aspects of leadership is intention. Uh, you, have to, you, you have to actually intend for that to happen. Uh, you have to intend to, to, to involve people. And, and, and we know how to do this. What we want to do is we want to we build teams, we want to build diverse teams, uh, we want to make sure that everybody is heard from. Uh, we want to make sure that everybody has the resources and um, that that he or she needs to to do their work well. We need we know that we need to hold people to high standards, um, and and that and that the best leaders have their teams back. That's that we, we know that we've known that for years. The problem is is that a lot of leaders don't do that. In part, as we were talking earlier, because it's it's very very hard. Uh, but if, but if leaders are willing to do that, if they're willing to build diverse teams. Listen to everybody, give people resources, hold them accountable, and um, um, they'll be able, to, we'll, we'll be able to do great things.
1: So again, it comes back to empathy, attention, and of course, uh, like you say, diversity and resources uh, and things like that. Okay, so the empathy is a very, very big thing. Um, now, while the world is, is, is uh, working on containing the coronavirus and is doing more or less a good job at that, businesses are, are doing whatever is needed to, to ensure that the business continuity and the survival is, is secured. However, uh, in the long term, I think responding and recovering won't be enough. They should maybe add something more. What do businesses need and, and in order to grow and, and, and to thrive in a post COVID 19 world?
0: Well, I mean, I don't want to put the onus entirely only on business. I, 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 I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great question, but again, businesses are embedded in society. And and one of the things that business leaders can do is ensure that societies have the right priorities. And again, so I'm speaking, you know, obviously I'm an American, um, as, you, as you all can tell by my, my accent and my, you know, uh, over energy here, but, but you know, i I'm an, you know I'm an American and, and one of the things is is, is, that, um, is that we have to figure out you know at a national level what our priorities are and, and I'm not sure you know nationally and internationally our priorities are right I'm not sure that our priorities are first and foremost do we t- do we build a just society do we take care of people do we make sure that nobody falls through the cracks um, that those are the most important those are the, I think the most important things at a moral level. But those things that, that 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 give us that moral um, foundation are actually incredibly important economically, um, and and so I, what you what you want is you want business leaders who not only are advocating for their own firms but are actually advocating for a just society, uh, because in the long run, a just society is a more prosperous society.
1: Okay, so that actually the whole conversation in in my opinion is brought back to to that care and empathy that there is a lot of digital things and technological things going on but it all comes back to to the to being human human touch and and, and the empathy indeed
0: so we're not it, not, it, not it comes not, down to it comes down to what kind of life do you want to live what kind of what 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 is what is what are you going to do with your time to- your limited time on this planet it comes down to these very deep existential questions and, uh, and in the day-to-day maw of things, it's easy not to confront those. But when you're faced with a pandemic, when people are fearful, we have to look at those things dead in the eye and ask ourselves those kinds of questions. What kind of society do I want to live in? Yeah. What, how do I want to treat other people? What do I, as an individual leader, want my legacy to be? And those are tough questions, but now is the right time to be asking them.
1: Yeah, and those technology should not be a purpose in itself to be as digital as possible, but to use it to become more, yeah, empathic Technology,
0: or- technology, technology is a tool. Yeah, right? that's all the that technology is. Technology is a tool. It's a tool like this pencil. Okay, I have, a, I have a pencil here. Right, it's a tool like this pencil. When I say, um, what is a just society? I mean, I might make my, that. I might make notes about that with this pencil, but the pencil is not a central element in that. When I say, what, what contribution do I as a leader want to make to the world? I might, again, write down notes about that with my pencil, but my pencil is not germane to that. It's just simply a tool. Uh, and, and the fundamental questions are, what kind of society do we want to live in? What's the purpose of firms? What are they, what are they supposed to do? And at an individual level, um, as a leader is what you have a finite amount of time on this planet. What, is your, what do you want your legacy to be?
1: Yeah. And if you look at businesses, do you think that the uh, emphasis should be on the workers? Should they feel the purpose or should it be on
0: the customers? That's a great question. And I think it's, uh, and I, and I think it's both. And, and I, it's something that I've wondered about a long time. Um, and I don't have a good answer for you. Uh, I, I think that it's both. I do, think that, I do think that there is something right and just about taking care of customers. Uh, I also think there is something right and just about treating employees well. Uh, I like to think that they inevitably go together, uh, but when they come into conflict, um, I think that's a tough situation. And, I, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure. I think, you know, again, one of the questions that we're dealing with is an existential question, which is what is the purpose of a firm? What is the purpose of a company? Is it entirely to maximize profits? Is it entirely to serve shareholders? Or does it have a purpose beyond that? Does it have a purpose to um, provide, you know, to, to to help people become their best selves as employees? Does it have a purpose to deliver outstanding qualities and uh, uh, services and products to people to make their own their own their, their their lives better? And I think that that is a question that we had started reckoning with uh, around the world a little bit before COVID. Uh, you see it now with the big announcement that was made by the Business Roundtable here in the United States, where a group of CEOs got together and said the purpose of a corporation is not only to maximize returns to shareholders. I think that question is being accelerated and deepened because of this, um, this COVID. And I don't think it's an easy answer. Um, but you know, you know, know, any kind of change in business or in politics or in society begins with, people of good intent having honest conversations. And I think that that's what we need right now.
1: Yeah, that's clear. It's a very good answer indeed. Uh, last question already. F- for the better part of two decades, you've been uh, screwing conventional business wisdom and transforming uh, complex ideas into practical approaches that people can put into work immediately. Now, to round it up, um, can you tell us what the most important lesson is that we should learn from COVID? And can you advise our viewers what they should do starting tomorrow?
0: It's great. Okay, so so another really good question. So so I, I'm not sure there's a single most important thing to do. Um, um, I, I would say that the the um, um, I would say that there is. Um, uh, I'm I'm now writing a book about about regret, and so I'm I'm sort of have that top of mind. But there's um, um, one thing you should do is Victor Frankel said this very well. I'm going to paraphrase him. He said that um, that you should act as if um you've already acted and actually hang on i have it right here i'm going to make sure i get it right okay sorry about that
1: no problem no problem i just want
0: to make sure that i'm accurate so he said he said that that you should you should you should live as if you are already living for the second time and as if you had made the mistakes you are about to make right now so 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 think so as you make a decision think through Is this a decision I'm going to be proud of? And I think that that in the long term, and I think that that way of thinking actually helps lead us to better decisions, not only morally, but economically. The other thing is um, um, we've also on the second part of your question, we've also, I think, oversold moonshots and big, hairy, audacious goals. And what the very best leaders, especially in this kind of moment, what the very best leaders focus on are small wins. So tomorrow, don't try to change everything. Don't try to be a revolutionary in one day. No one ever is. But try to do one thing tomorrow that makes your world a little bit better. Go for those small wins. And what happens is that small wins pile up. They cascade to other small wins, and that's how you get big change.
1: Yes start small and it will become big. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us. We really enjoyed it a lot. Thank you very much. Daniel Pink.